Welcome to The Offshoot. I'm the host, Lee Sean Nelson. We're talking about rural America, where a great majority of Black Americans live and where Native Americans live. So I'll have a very, very, very special guest today. Her name is Tony Nelson Graves. Full disclosure, she is my first cousin, so we grew up together, but she's highly qualified when it comes to talking about issues in small town rural America. Tony, welcome to The Offshoot. Well, thank you. Thank you for having me on your show. I'm excited to be here. I'm very excited to have you as well. This is the conversation that I know that you as a community leader uh, is already involved with. And I'm just basically scratching the surface and trying to hopefully help you spread the word, not just about what's going on in small, Amer small town America, but also to spread the word about your, your talk show as well. Okay, great. So let's start this by asking the first question. Okay, so this podcast, this aggregate is all about uh, how do we advocate for or examine making Black Americans and Native Americans a protected class of people? What does it mean? But when we have these discussions, whether it's the national media or international media, it's always centered around cities, you know, big metropolitan areas. So I want to talk about small town America and what's happening down there. So first, give me your definition of what it means to protect your family, what it means to protect your community, and then we'll go from there. Well, that's a, a wonderful question because I was born and reared here right in South Carolina, rural South Carolina, as a matter of fact. So um, that is a lot to talk about when you're talking about rural America and specifically South Carolina and what it means to protect. Um, classes of people. And so um, that topic is very broad, but I can just start out by saying that being that I grew up in a rural um, community, I know how important it is um, to have a voice in rural, in rural areas. Mm -hmm. And so now that I'm an adult, I, I see that it's even more so important to protect yes. people of colors and, you know, other minorities as well. But specifically, I'm going to be talking about people of color because I have a talk show and my platform centers around how to make communities of color stronger and better. And so, um, yes, it is it's something worthwhile investing in talking about so we can learn and grow in our efforts to improve those areas. And so, so what it means to me to protect those um, individuals is mainly providing education you know, okay. remaining engaged in those communities is key because you cannot protect people if you're not involved. They're not going to listen to you. They're not going to want your protection, as a matter of fact, because they want to know that you understand where they're coming from. And so what are some of the challenges that you're seeing in rural America when it comes to trying to protect the communities of color down there? I mean, what about the resources? Because you're not in a big city. The state itself, South Carolina, isn't a big state when it comes to resources, financially, that is. Right. So, and just to let everyone know, I'm in Washington, D.C., born and raised in the small town that my cousin Tony is talking about, but I've been away since age 18. Uh, so, mm -hmm. but she's been there since she was born. So, uh, I want her to, uh, but she, she has, again, like I said, this really interesting perspective because again, she has a talk show where she talks about this. So again, I'm sorry to interrupt there. So yeah, tell me, so what are the challenges that you're seeing when it comes to protecting the communities in rural America? Yeah, there are challenges. And let me just say this, I'm a, a licensed social worker. And so um, I have a bachelor's and a master's degree in social work as well as in public administration. 
And so when you ask that question, I can truly speak from experience mm-hmm. that the resources in rural America is very scarce, um, especially when transportation has been a major issue in rural America. You know, even if there are resources available, sometimes families have difficulty getting to those resources. Mm-hmm. And so we have to, you know, talk about all those barriers that prevent people from thriving and having a, you know, a better quality of life. Yes. However, um, one of the things that I'm proud to say is, as a person of color myself, we are phenomenal when it comes to making do with what we have. Um, 100%. Making, yes, making sure that, you know, we look out for one another. That's, that's extremely important. But again, getting back to those resources, I think more can be done to help communities of color. And, you know, it's important that we have, you know, elected officials, officials that understand the struggles of, of black communities. Well, let me stop you. Yeah, I'm sorry to interrupt. Let me, let me stop you there for a second because this is interesting because our hometown is unique in the sense that exactly. years ago, 2008, I, before he became president, Barack Obama stopped in our hometown and he visited one of the schools that, right. that, that again, that didn't have the resources that you talked about. Additionally, Ben Bernanke, the former Fed chair, is also from our hometown. It, right. I, Actually, so, um, his English teacher in high school was also my English teacher in high school, um, Bernanke. Um, but yes, um, President Obama, he did um, come to Dillon and, you know, visit our school. And he saw that there's a need. Mm-hmm. And thank to a student at that time who's in the eighth grade, Tashiyama Bethay, she wrote the president a letter. And she, um, you know, she pleaded with him, do not forget about, you know, rural America. And so he took the opportunity, and let me just back up, I, uh, he took the opportunity to come and visit the school. And um, he didn't forget. He didn't forget about us. And he did, you know, allocate $4 million dollars to Dillon County Schools to build the new middle school wow, that is in existence today. Again, and that's a story that most people have never heard of. Right. That's a, that's a very important story. I mean, that's information that people should know about, you know, what it means to be politically connected and to hold our politicians accountable. Exactly. Exactly. And so um, getting back to, you know, politicians, you know, lots of times, you know, I try to ed- educate the community about how important it is to understand the platform of those that are seeking um, our vote and not just give them our vote. They have to earn it. And so um, we, we have to talk about their platform and what they're proposing to do to help communities and, you know, take it serious and understand that their vote matters. Your vote is your voice. And I think far too often it's unfortunate that, you know, that people don't understand how important their vote is. That's very true. And unfortunately, I think that's across the country when it comes to our community, or I should say communities of color in general, where we don't see a large turnout for uh, off-season off elections, if you will. This is an off-year off for politics, off-season right, elections. Right. And, so how many folks are going to turn out to vote for their local congressman, their, 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 their mayor? Uh, you're, you're very, very correct. Those things are very, very important. Uh, I'm getting involved myself. I'm running for commissioner here in Washington, D.C. Oh, because I Okay, great. Awesome. I wish you much success. You'll make well, a thank great you. commissioner. I need, I need the vote. 
<laughs> so, but again, so we, I want to talk about, again, protecting the black community, protecting people of color in rural America and the resources that you got from President Obama, that's great, um, but he's out of office and we're seeing uh, a, a wealth gap between urban areas and rural America. Now we do have the current president who has an infrastructure bill that wants to bring high speed internet service to rural America and other kind of uh, tele telecommunication services and infrastructure. But, uh, but we also have crime in small towns as well mm -hmm. uh, that might be per capita equal to what we have in cities like Washington DC. Right. Uh, but again, you don't have the resources. So mm -hmm. you said earlier that people of color, particularly black people, we're very, very good at making do with what we have. Okay, but is that gonna last? Is that really gonna cut it? Absolutely not. Um, we have to invest in job security here. And, you know, we're here in Dillon, South Carolina. I don't think we mentioned that, but I think it's important to let the, the viewers know that we're in Dillon, South Carolina and you can Google um, Dillon, South Carolina. I think that, you know, we should be further along than we are now. Being that I-95 come right through Dillon County. We are 30 miles from I-20. We're midway between New York City and Miami, you know? And so we have to take advantage of, of those opportunities and getting businesses and industries into the area. But one of the things that have hindered us um, is appointed school boards. And so it's kind of difficult to protect communities when you have so many obstacles out there that's trying to hurt communities of color. And so I think that- I'm, I'm sorry, is, are those institutional, are those institutions that, that are hurting the community? I, I say mainly it's individuals um, that's trying to keep a hold on Dillon County thriving. And I know that sounds, you know, like who would want to prevent a county from thriving, but you would be surprised at politicians who don't want businesses to come here, who don't want high paying jobs in the area, um, who don't want good jobs to come here because it could possibly expose a lot of, you know, things that are going on here in the county that they don't want to be exposed. Mm, they say all politics is local, and that definitely sounds like local politics. It is local politics at its finest. And it's, it's time for the people to stand up and um, make decisions that's going to be best for their children and their grandchildren. Mm -hmm. You know, I fight for these type of things every day. This is this is the burden that I have to mm -hmm. improve those communities. You know, my three children, they're all in college, but that's not good enough for me. Um, it's important that all children have the opportunity to thrive. And it's also and kind I, of, it's, it's rare. I mean, even in cities like Washington, D.C., where you have a, a couple that has three children, the odds of all three going to college uh, in the Black community, that's still very, very rare. You know, you're lucky if you have one of the three to go to college, but in your case, you have all three to go to college. Yes, absolutely. But um, that's not good enough for me, like I was saying. It's not good enough. I want to see all children. You know, college is not for everyone, but at least provide the option for them, give them a fighting chance. Mm -hmm. And so we must continue to fight until everybody has the opportunity 
to live out the American dream. Yes. So rural America, uh, like I said, a lot of folks live in small towns. And as far as the Black community, about 7.8% of the Black community lives in rural America. And people should know that the Black population is less than 13% of the U.S. total population. Now, when it comes to Native Americans, uh, most Native Americans live in rural America. Only about 4% of Native Americans live in urban areas. That is small. So the people who, in my opinion, are most vulnerable when it comes to institutions, like you said, or individuals who want to hold back our communities, okay, we need to raise our voices, I think, exactly. starting in the small communities, because where we still have a large population. Mm -hmm. you're, you're exactly right. Um, at our local high school, 77% of the population is uh, minority students. And so we have to invest in, in all children. You know, when I talk about communities of color, that doesn't mean that other communities are not equally as important because yes. that would be far from the truth. Everyone is I important, agree. but I focus on communities of color because we're the ones that are struggling at the present time. And getting back to protecting, you know, our community, I feel the best way to protect communities is invested in our youth. Why? Because they are our future. So we have to protect, we have to invest in our youth. We have to provide them quality education. We have to support Black-owned businesses and keep the dollar within our community longer mm -hmm. than four hours. Yes. And so that's how we protect the Black community. I think that is very well said. And I think that's something that could be applied not just to small towns, but also to urban areas like Washington, DC, New York, Houston, other cities where you have large black populations. So I, I think that you're 100% correct on that. But still, with that being said, you know, we our communities don't have the capital, the the uh, political connections to bring all those things into fruition. And so we talked earlier about Obama, who was able to keep his promise to Dillon, South Carolina. Uh, we, like I said, we, we also had Ben Bernanke, who was a well-known Fed chair, who lives here in Washington, D.C., but I'm not sure what he's doing or what he has done in the past to support the county. Um, but let's talk about uh, protecting from who or whom or what. Okay, can we get more specific, more granular about uh, who we need to be protected from? Or can you answer that question? Or is that a question that, you, that is probably too broad? Um, who we need to be protecting communities of color from? Yes. Well, I, you know, we- And I'm we going somewhere to... specifically with this. Okay. <laughs> uh, we need to protect communities of color from those that prey on those individuals who are vulnerable. Mm -hmm. You know, for example, we're in the process of, we're gonna have an election coming up June 14th. And, you know, there are individuals out there that are already harvesting, you know, ballots, you know, going to, you know, the elderly population, the disabled, and, mm -hmm. and getting access to their absentee ballot. And so that is just so unfortunate. And so, we have to ensure that our grandparents, our loved ones mm -hmm. who may not quite understand the process, we have to educate them and not allow individuals to come around when it's election time 
and offer them a fish plate or something like that for in exchange for their vote. Yes. Um, you've heard the saying, the more things change, the more they stay the same. And so I see that here in this community where, you know, there's a, a mentality that, you know, if we can just get there, the black vote, then, you know, get them to see things our way, then we can remain in control. And that's not to say that, you know, black should be in control. That's not, I feel that the most qualified person should be in control. Rather they black, white, Republican or Democrat. It doesn't matter to me. We want people that want what's best for our community in office making those decisions and being our voice. And that is a great segue because this is where I was going with that question. Cause you, you mentioned control, but I was trying to get to the, about who has the power because even if say the black population, people of color, Native Americans, Latino Americans, and Dylan, yes, does have Latinos living in the county. Uh, mm -hmm. But if those communities of color do grow uh, in some way, but don't have the power, isn't that all kind of mute to your point? Isn't power yes. what's really needed? Yes. So um, are you and, asking and who has And who has the power in Dillon County? Well, well if, if, if I have to say who's mainly controlling Dillon County, it goes to one individual, um, Representative Jackie Hayes, um, House seat number 55, and he's up for re-election now. Um, he was, um, he's like I said, he's the uh, representative for this county, and he's also um, works for our school district. And he was the previous, the former athletic director, head coach, which he mm -hmm. just passed on that position to his son, um, who is now the athletic which is, director. Which is nepotism and which nepotism is and, and, you know, And his wife, she has a high paying position within the school district as well. And so um, I really feel that his role in both positions pose a conflict of interest. But he has the authority right now to change the way we, um, our school boards are set up, mm -hmm. right? You know, 12 years ago, 90 and overwhelming 90% of the population, you know, passed a referendum for an elected school board. That was in um, 2010. Here it is 12 years later, and he refused to do the will of the people. 90% overwhelmingly voted for this. And he is the sole person that is holding it up. It has to be introduced by our delegation. And mm -hmm. he's the only member of our delegation that resides here in the county, but he refused to do so. And of course, we're not gonna tell people what his ethnicity is, but we let them assume what his ethnic background is. But it is playing a part in terms of He's keeping the community back. He's he's preventing growth. He's basically hindering you from doing more at protecting communities of color in your town. Yes, absolutely. And I don't believe that the community of color would need as much protection if they're given the opportunity to have a voice. For example, I served on that school board, um, mm -hmm. the Dillon County Board of Education for seven years, which I was appointed. And the things that I saw going on at the school board, you know, raised all kinds of red flags. And um, once I began to speak out about those things and say, hey, this is not right. This is not, you know, advanced.
advancing people at all. Our kids are, you know, leaving high school unprepared mm -hmm. for college. And so I feel that there's a school to prison hotline that's also factored into the way our school system is ran. And so, um, and that's it, that's historic. I mean, because we know about the Thirteenth Amendment, and that was all about basically uh, keeping men, particularly black men, uh, away from their families by putting them on the chain yes. gang uh, to make right. up for for the lost labor from slavery. So, yeah, this is historic, and people need to know these things. And and you're right. I'm sorry to interrupt, but yeah, go ahead. Yeah. And continue. And, and so, like now, currently, there are no parents for school age children serving on our school boards. Wow. None of school age children, at least to the you know the last time I checked. You know, when I was on the school board, you know, I was the youngest, and um, I was the only parent with school age children. And so we had people in their seventies serving on the school board. I remember one gentleman; um, he would get lost coming to the school board meeting, and when he wow. would arrive, he would fall asleep. We had an individual on the school board that was in the nursing home. <laughs> in the nursing home. That's and really so disturbing. Is, it is very disturbing. And they have prevented this information. It's like every time I try to get the information in the hands of the right people, they would do things to try to prevent it from happening. And so um, it's, it's very disturbing. And um, they would try to destroy your character to have people thinking that you're mentally insane. And, you know, it sounds like something that, <laughs> that is made up and far-fetched, but uh, I'm far from being mentally insane. I know exactly what's, what's going on in the school district. So yet, yeah, um, we, we have to do something about this. And I, uh, I feel that it's gonna take someone outside of the state of South Carolina to get their hands on this and to, you know, expose what is going on. Well, I hope that this is the first step, not that this platform, this channel, it has that kind of reach, but uh, I do want to continue this conversation, have more conversations so that we can expose what's going on in rural America, because again, you know, that's where I come from, that's where you yeah. live, you know, and people can't forget that that is the heart of America, is rural America, where communities are in my opinion, where they're tighter, where the families are tighter, and and where they can really have an influence on the rest of the country and eventually the rest of the world, meaning that we'll get that, I don't want to say utopia, but we'll, we'll have a better life for everyone. But I do believe that we have to start with, um, I, I we have to start with the Black community, Native American community, and other communities of color first, and take that power Exactly. And, you know, I wish there were more people speaking up, but I mean, there are scare tactics out there that they use to kind of silence people. But I'm so thankful for your platform. Congratulations on, you know, what you're doing and trying to get the word out in rural America to make things better for everyone is much needed. And I, you know, I commend you for that. And I'm <laughs> super excited about, you know, where you're going to go with this program. Thank you so much. And we'll talk more about that. And, and I know I will see you in uh, next month. But before we head off, uh, can you tell people where they can find you online or where they can catch your talk show? Uh, well, yeah, um, you can go to community. Let's talk about a community talk show and click like and then you can follow my shows. I usually um, do an episode twice a month um, during the months of September to May. 
I take a three month break. Um, we have an annual celebration in June where we, you know, give out community awards to individuals that are devoted to making our community stronger, safer, and a more desirable place to be. Well, thank you so much. I'll make sure that that gets posted with this video. Uh, audience, thank you again for listening to this episode of The Offshoot. Uh, be sure to go to YouTube and subscribe to the channel and like the channel. Also, check us out on Twitter. Follow me there. And you can also check out the website, which is at www.theoffshoot.org. Tony, thank you again, and I'll talk to you again very soon. You're quite welcome.